you know, we've done this a million times and each time it is still offensive and aggravating that it says that recording is in progress. We know, we pressed the button. What I find fascinating is I had to do a work meeting the other day and I launched into the meeting and it was like recording in progress. I'm like, why are you recording me? You- yeah, that always seems to happen. Uh, inevitably during my panels, I'll always get one person when I say, hey, I'm probably recording this, like, you're recording, and they like duck under a chair, like their fursuit is somehow inconspicuous. So have you ever had like that situation where you just kind of go, they go, hey, can we talk on Zoom? And you're like, do we need to have cameras on? Oh, constantly, especially now that I've realized the backdrop that I've meticulously built for myself is not exactly professional. I'm using air quotes. See, it's professional for podcasting and for doing um, other things, other things. But honestly, corporate America is bullshit, as we've kind of corporate America is mostly boring. And I am the dictionary definition of the opposite of boring. There is nothing boring about me, hence why my backdrop is hundreds of dollars in Japanese kimono cotton and elaborate portraits of birds and fancy clothes. Yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular. I feel like we need to take a picture and post it on the Instagram. Yeah, I can take a photo, but um, there's also my serial killer butterflies on the other side, which I'm very proud of. I kind of want to move them over here because I'm very proud of my serial killer butterflies, because you know, every sociopath slash serial killer, I know they're not the same, don't come for me, they're kind of the same, has a set of butterflies in glass. That's how you know. That's that's the TV shorthand for this person is probably a sociopath. So if you go back a little bit into the <laughs> my room, there mm-hmm. is a thing on the wall with butterflies under glass. <laughs> See, I'm telling you. There's, it's, that is the TV shorthand of either this is an exasperated genius, quote unquote, or a sociopath, and those lines blur. And I got my serial killer butterflies, and my aunts are horrified that that's my association to them. Even worse, I I forgot, I I have a death's head moth back here i was about to say victoria (laughs) you don't get to say jack and or shit i was Uh waiting for you to out yourself because it's rude of me to say it on camera but you do not get to say oh jack and or shit i'm not gonna try to protect myself silence of the lambs has been my favorite movie for years it's a problem i have a question so yeah i have watched silence of the lambs like twice maybe you know twice but I've watched and ingested a lot of Hannibal because of course I have. How do we get from Mads Nicholson <laughs> to where we are in the quote unquote present? To Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, how, what is the bridge between Mads Nicholson and Anthony Hopkins? Because like there's think- a middle form there that we're not seeing that I'm guessing is like Charles Dance or something. Oh my God. I just imagined Charles Dance bridging the gap and it was beautiful. Is that not, who else fits in that? Cause that's the only way to go. It's Mads Mickelson, Charles Dance, Anthony Hopkins. Or maybe Christopher Lee, rest in peace. How do we- Lee. I miss Christopher Lee too. Uh, how do we get from Mads Mickelson to Anthony Hopkins? What is he doing? How does he become somewhat straight in all of those years? Is that the Charles Dance era where you know the love of his life passes away and he says he'll never love another man and he becomes just vaguely queer coded? I mean, entirely possible. Am I just writing fan fiction at this point? <laughs> I mean, we can. I mean, I don't think Thomas Harris is going to come after you. Is he dead? Is he? We're not talking about the book because we don't want to. No. So I'm going to be completely honest. This week we're covering. Damn it, he's still alive. 
we're covering of mice and men by john steinbeck and i hate steinbeck in ways that aren't normal so i i don't hate steinbeck but i also don't like steinbeck uh we're gonna go ahead and just put this on the pyre of Amer amanda pretty much hates american lit i don't like it i don't like what these white men have to say i'm not interested in what these white men have to say <laughs> and i've never been interested in what these white men have to say uh what are we eating drinking i have a mini bottle of barefoot bubbly moscato spumante and i am drinking it straight from the bottle because i am not controlling any facet of my life i have a half open bottle of champagne downstairs well, I guess half drunk bottle of champagne. I did eat a bunch of tortillas before we started recording. <laughs> like, like a grackle? You're just... Exactly. So we Was have- Was there to... anything on them? Actually, yes. I had guacamole okay. and shredded cheese. Okay. So okay. we have, um, for, for those of you out there in TV land, um, my, my husband and my relationship with his ex-wife is, is like solidly good, which is surprising to a lot of people. But like we all co-parent Brianna. Well, she mm -hmm. took in this amazing girl that's that's her relation. And I'm gonna like leave it at that. But it was mm -hmm. her 18th birthday. And so we threw a party at the house and had mm -hmm. margaritas and a bunch of Mexican food from this place called Mama Margie. So we have a lot of leftovers. So I've just been steadily eating um, a diet of tortillas and leftover grated cheese. <laughs> and I know that that's not good for me, but here we are. <laughs> There's a few foods that like, cause you know, everyone's like, oh, Amanda, you know, you're a consummate cook and baker, but there are, there are a few foods that I won't make. And one of them is queso. Because I know if I can ever crack the code on queso, my life is over. I will never leave the house. I will never eat a vegetable. I will never see the light of day again. I will be like, a, like a, the true kitchen witch that I am hunched over a perpetual vat of queso with tortillas. I just pictured this <laughs> and I wish because I Because you know it. it's true. I'm just you imagining see. you dancing around throwing blocks of Velveeta in a cauldron. Yeah. Yes, it's just, yeah. It's literally mother knows best from Tangled, but like instead of gaslighting a child, it's making queso. Mark will make queso and he'll it's it's like a ritual for him so I I have had Mark's queso which I weirdly sound sexual and I'm not okay with that <laughs> I have sampled your husband's queso the true test of friendship can you survive have, tasting my husband's queso to sampling your husband's rich queso <laughs> I don't I don't like the mouthfeel of that at all I also have to alert that to the side of me there is a whole red velvet cake because i'm depressed and on top of that cake is one of my other crowns so there's just a crown on a cake and this is the state of my life at the moment i'm just gonna throw out there mercury retrograde is kicking our ass because it's oh is that what it is yeah if you don't want to just <laughs> it's not just mercury retrograde either we're also in eclipse season Oh fuck. We have a full moon, full blood moon on Monday that's going to go into eclipse during Mercury retrograde in Pluto. Every person on TikTok right now who's talking about energy and astrology is like, you probably said that wrong. And that's okay. I don't understand it. I'm just learning it because I think it's fascinating. But yeah. Mostly I like I like having an excuse for being like, this is why life is falling apart. <laughs> Yeah, I like that too. I also, like many white people, enjoy having semi-valid reasons to explain away my horrible behavior. It's not wrong. That's the best yes. part. I think that is the, the hallmark of Victoria and I's relationship is me saying something and her unfortunately having to agree. You do have some very good news in our outline right now. We do. Uh, Baron Von Cheeseplate, who has supported this show since pretty much its inception, finished grad school. That's awesome. 
And I am, I wasn't able to say it in the moment because of aforementioned depression. But I figured like the semi-abusive dick of a boyfriend that I am, I make a grand gesture and that makes it all okay. Congratulations, Baron Von Cheeseplate. We love you very, very much, obviously. Congratulations. I am very proud of you. I've always been proud of you. May you continue to mine the planet for uh, energy sources that will eventually kill us all. He works in oil and gas. He knows I'm not a fan. <laughs> he knows I'm not a fan. <laughs> he is very aware. <laughs> Do you want to finally talk about the book as it's been approximately 15 minutes? Sure. Okay, short story long. And here's the thing. If you've watched American pop culture, you probably already know the story. Because yeah, it's we're going to talk about that probably a little bit later when we get to themes and stuff like that. But if you've never read this book, a couple of things are probably going to pop into your head that you may remember, even though you've never read this book. So Victoria, please take us on this awful, awful journey. George and Lenny have been traveling together and are led off a bus several miles away from a farm where they are going to work. They are walking there. George is short, dark, and described as having small features, kind of like a, a little animal. He's very, Almost very Almost like that's racist. Almost like it's racist. Lenny is super big. He's a looming oaf of a man, and his facial features are evidently not super defined. We figure out pretty quickly from the writing that Lenny has an intellectual disability. And Which is not the term used in the book. No, it is not, but uh, <laughs> I don't want people coming for me. Um, he is clearly obsessed with George. George protects him and also understands that Lenny has a tendency to want to pet very soft, fragile things and accidentally kill them. Yep. This, <laughs> to quote Mickey's Playhouse, whatever, this is an important tool we can use later. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> case in point, uh, Lenny has been walking around with a dead mouse in his pocket because he As found he it and he petted it and it died and he carried it with him and he's been stroking it this entire time. George throws it away into the bushes and is all worried that Lenny is going to get a disease from the animal. He makes a big deal about how life would be a lot easier without Lenny, but it's pretty damn clear that he loves Lenny and this is his best friend. Mm -hmm. They have this dream of buying a farm and keeping rabbits. They talk about mm -hmm. their idyllic life that they can have in the future where mm -hmm. Lenny gets to tend the rabbits, okay? Yes. They end up reporting to the ranch and George tells Lenny he will do all the talking because he doesn't want Lenny to talk and freak out their boss. Mood. Mood. He says they're cousins and that a horse kicked Lenny in the head when they were kids. They both get hired and meet Candy, the handyman. Candy mm -hmm. is missing a hand and he has a super old dog. And then they meet the farmer's son, Curly. And Curly is a massive dick. Mm -hmm. of brand proportions and he's recently married a very flirtatious wife so yes. lenny tells george that this lady is a is very pretty and george realizes this is a bad thing so he says lenny stay away from them because this could be a lot of trouble yes the ranch hands come back from the fields for lunch and george and lenny meet a man named slim who's a mule mm -hmm. driver and people on the ranch respect him Mm -hmm. Slim is impressed by Lenny and George's friendship since he's never really seen anything like it. It's a very lonely life being a ranch hand. It uh, is. Carlson, who is another ranch hand, mentions that Slim's dog just had puppies and they should give Candy a puppy and put his old dog out of its misery. Again, this is a tool we can use later. It is. George tells Slim that he and Lenny are not actually cousins, but because he's been watching out for him since childhood, they, you know, are just really super close. Lenny and mm -hmm. George were chased out of their last job because Lenny was trying to touch a woman's dress, but she thought he was trying to sexually assault her. So she was screaming rape and they had to leave. Slim says he'll give Lenny one of his puppies. Okay. Carlson keeps talking about Candy's need to get rid of his dog. Candy gives in and Carlson says he'll go and do the job painlessly. Mm -hmm. Slim goes into the barn and Curly is out looking for his wife, decides to go into the barn to go after him because he thinks maybe something's going on. 
Candy yep. hears George and Lenny talking about their life and he goes, uh, I will give you some of my life savings if you let me live with you on your farm. And they're like, mm -hmm. okay, because then we only have to work for another month. And they decide to tell mm -hmm. no one else their plan because no one else needs to know and they don't want anyone else coming with them. And it's not sketchy at all. Not at all. So Slim is very angry and he comes back to the bunkhouse after yelling at Curly for thinking you would be trying to steal his wife. Mm -hmm. Curly is just an angry dick. And so he picks a fight with Lenny, mm -hmm. not knowing his own strength. Lenny crushes Curly's hand and Slim tells Curly, if he tries to get George and Lenny fired, people are going to make fun of him. So he should keep his mouth shut. As you do. The next night, the men go to a local brothel, but they leave Lenny behind with a stable hand named Crooks, mm -hmm. like the only black man in this entire book. Um, as we discussed, that's a little racist. Uh, Curly's wife flirts with them and won't leave until the rest of the men come home. Mm -hmm. She asks about the cut on Lenny's face and is pretty sure that it's not from farm equipment, but she thinks it's funny. Okay. Lenny accidentally kills his puppy in the barn. Curly's wife comes in to console him and talks about how being married to Curly is awful and how mm -hmm. she wanted to be a movie star. Mm -hmm. And Lenny says he likes to soft pet things. So she goes, you can pet my hair. Mm. And when she pet, he pets her hair, she cries out because he pet too hard. And he tries to make her quiet and accidentally breaks her neck. Okay. Okay. Lenny flees to the Salinas River that he and George have discussed as a meeting spot. It's also known as the pond. Um, mm -hmm. The ranch hands get together for a lynch party George runs to check on him and tells him he's not mad and Lenny for doing a bad thing. Mm -hmm. They talk about their dream and Lenny has him look out across or and Lenny looks out across the water as the lynch party is coming forward. Mm -hmm. George shoots his friend in the back of the head to save him from the lynch party and then tells mm -hmm. everyone that he wrestled the gun from Lenny. Slim consoles him and leads him away. Their dream Now is quick dead. clarification. The term typically is lynch mob. Uh, because lynch party sounds like it's too much fun for such a horrible thing that's happening. So I just wanted to put in a quick note that the term typically used is lynch mob. We are by no means inciting that lynching was fun or great. I just want, like I had a visceral like shiver moment and it's like, that's not what anyone means. Let's go over that really quickly. Yeah. Uh, we meet a party of people, not a celebration. Yeah. Even though I'm certain that to many, these were fun, which is indeed sad. Um, so today, ahead of symbols, why do we make children read this? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. We read this in high school and I was like, why? I think it's basically one of those things of, well, we've made three movies of this and we're going to make references to it in Looney Tunes. So we might as well tell kids where it's came, come from. I'm pretty sure that I read this. I'm skipping ahead when I was not in high school. Because apparently Catholic school teachers do be wilding. So my memories of this are from much younger than high school. So I would like to stake a ground further in the question of why do we make children read this? Because again, the point of this podcast is to examine the propaganda that comes from making people read books because that's all it is. It's propaganda. Look at banned books. Look at the books that are in curriculums for varying states. All of it is propaganda and you are not immune. What is the message that this is supposed to be imbuing into young people outside of destroy the mentally disabled you know what and as an adult what i take away from this is dreaming is pointless capitalism will kill us all yeah also that steinbeck really doesn't like women yeah no that's a that's yeah he doesn't like oh, women he doesn't like he doesn't like them uh okay so I think the most important thing that we need to talk about is how we treat those that are different. And I put different in quotations in, uh, you know, in the outline because it is very early evident that Lenny has some kind of intellectual disability. 
Um, again, that is not the term used in the book. We are being uh, more empathetic than I think Steinbeck could ever muster. Uh, and I'm not here to listen to you. It was a different time. You can shove that right up your ass. Um, sorry, I'm so tired of people like saying it was a different time in books and movies when it's just like blatantly racist or sexist. It's like, it was a different time. It's like, oh, right. I forgot women were invented in the 1920s. Forgive me. But they just fell out of the seed pod. <laughs> Ergo. It was okay to treat them like garbage until they gained rights through very chill protests, I've heard. Um, there was no self-starvation or, you know, anything. Of course not. No, there was no forced feeding or, nope, everything was fine. Also, I had a very, very interesting thought. Uh, so my phone is doing the whole autoplay of Caitlin Doherty's videos, who is not a sponsor of the podcast, but goddamn, I love Caitlin Doherty. And she has a very, very long video on why is JFK's casket closed or why was it closed? And I feel like this should be the shortest video on earth. It's like, because there wasn't much head left. And I'm sure she does wonderful research. I'm certain she does. And I'm sure she brings up several points like that he was Catholic and blah, blah, blah. But the main point that I have to, that I keep remembering is because there wasn't much head left. You can tell I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, so Tori, how would you say the treatment of Linny is done in a uh, ye old book? It's not even getting to the point where he's uh, murdered in the back of the head like an animal. So in the very beginning, he's definitely treated like a child. Mm -hmm. um, Lenny makes it very clear that he basically feels like he's been baby, not Lenny, George makes him feel makes it very clear that he's um basically been babysitting this guy since they were kids and mm -hmm. like he knew his aunt clara and all this stuff mm -hmm. um it's it's almost like a lot of the talk we get around people who don't want to be parents mm -hmm. and like a lot of books that we read where you know the mother is, is shackled with a child that they don't want um or a father is shackled with a child that they don't want let's be fair so um, i think we're getting ahead of ourselves for next, for next i know right book. Um, i think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves i haven't even started talking about how the evangelical movement really started in the 70s okay we're done um but it's very clear from the beginning that they they think he's or that george thinks that he's not obviously not very bright or capable of his own autonomy mm -hmm. And also that he uh, is, what the heck? What? So we just got an alert that uh, our, we have nine minutes remaining in our meeting time for Zoom. Huh. That's weird. It shouldn't There's do that. There's only two of us. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll fix that later. Sorry. Um, no worries. But yeah, it's it's very clear from the descriptions in this book that Lenny is other. He is not mm -hmm. treated as a human being. He's not treated mm -hmm. as anything other than this is this entity that we don't really understand and are afraid mm -hmm. we can't control. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of goes into the whole thing too with him crushing Curly's hand where everybody's like, uh, don't try to get him fired because uh, he's going to uh you know like you you would be very embarrassing for you it'd be like fighting a child and having the child win yeah or a grown man because you know um, that's that's the part of the conversation that should be discussed you know that that's it i'm so tired do you want to talk about short friend energy let's talk about short friend energy uh before our time apparently runs out even though there's only two of us here and zoom has never done this before uh is there a better example in media than george as far as short man energy goes like the only thing i can think of is like all those tiktok videos where and a short king yeah like he's i'm telling you short friends will they're deadly, and I say this as the group's short king. 
we will fuck shit up all the time we there is a tiktok i sent tori of this girl who's like 411 and is like climbing the scaffolding of a costco oh my god she gets up to like the third shelf and she's like throwing down buckets like those uh storage buckets she like she's lines like- up the shot is dropping them into her basket like it's fucking donkey kong or something don't fuck with your short friends and y'all have heard me talk about this on the podcast before but amanda throwing a roll of paper towels mm-hmm. and other paper towels on the top mm-hmm. shelf to have them tumble down so we could collect them into the cart like the champion i caught those in my hands i caught those bitches my hands but yeah do not ever ever think that your short friend is incapable of something i have knocked things down with the broom handles when i was a kid my grandpa found me on top of the fridge eating dry cereal like a fucking gargoyle i just imagine baby amanda just full of dry cereal shoving it in your- <laughs> have you seen all those videos i've sent you about like australian bush possums just like yes. in places they it was literally like that but me just ham fisting probably some honeycomb amanda aka the show's possum king like also i've been sending tori lots of videos of australian bush possums so they'll just hang out eat your shit i love the one cute of the bush possum in the bakery and it ate too much to be able to leave (laughs) i think that's like it's just no guilt there's no guilt on that possum's face that is a possum who's like i have achieved more in a day than any of you will have in a lifetime i also love the one that was eating garlic bread in the rafters (laughs) yes what What's surprising to me too is it's like, and, and I know more people have said this, but there's the whole thing about how we have the American possum, which I still think is cute, but also looks like something out of your nightmares. And then mm-hmm. you see Australia and they have the bush possum and it's like the cutest thing on the planet. And mm-hmm. you're like, I think our animals got mixed up somehow. I think both of them definitely fit their respective area where Australia is looks cute probably would mess you up if uh they really tried and america's is i would not say is conventionally cute but really is quite harmless like if anything possums are incredibly maligned much like minorities and other people of color and queer and neurodivergent people in america unfortunately maligned yeah i brought it back to the theme We talk about short friend energy mostly because you see a lot of short man energy displayed in the overcompensation, the big brash personality, the fast talking, the trying to prove that you're capable. And especially in men, being short is considered to be a weakness or a severe like failing. I will say this, I am five foot one And if a man has ever been my height or smaller, I have not dated him. You're right, incels. We are judging you by your height. Because if a man is 5'1 or shorter, I am concerned that he is lacking a vital nutrient. I don't even know what to do with you right now. (laughs) We're talking about short friend energy right here, (laughs) y'all. Well, I mean, even though... Yes. We're like, George tells Lenny, let me do all the talking. I've got that sort this. of friend energy. Yeah. Tori has witnessed this in person where I have literally said, let me handle this. Proceeds to explain an entire situation. It's, it's pretty impressive. I appreciate that you think that's impressive. And I did just do the pinky up as I just gulped down champagne out of a glass bottle. Because despite depression, I am still a fancy asshole. So I think one of the big things in this, and and I think the internet for backing me up, loneliness and lack of connection is a big thing. Hold on. You don't need backup from the internet to tell you that this is... I I know. But it's always Uh, nice when you're like, oh, look, someone else had the same interpretation. Yeah, there's definitely an issue of a lack of connection. And I think that makes sense for the setting 
of the book that, you know, we're in this rancher part of the American story where segregation may not be a thing, but it's still very much a thing. And class gradations are very, very strict and really do limit people's mobility and choices. No one's really talking. They're most, well, no one's, no one's listening. Everyone is talking. That is the problem. Um, you're seeing that a lot now in this modern era where the internet has been a cesspool of everyone's unfiltered opinions about everything, including mine. I am incorrect a lot. And yet people still listen to me. Like I still think that the best part of The Last Jedi are the fish nuns and the porgs. The fish nuns and the porgs. That just, that feels like two gangs. It's just the annoyed fish nuns who are so tired of rage, just like wrecking all of their shit. And the porgs, which I still think are the most brilliant piece of cinema technology because they are just digital costumes for puffins. Which is amazing. So like, ugh. my big dream is to go to Iceland. Like lately, that's my new dream since Russia is no longer open to me ever. Um, but I'm like, hey, I want to go see the puffins. I don't want to. And then you see all the menus in Iceland are like, mm-hmm. you can have puffin. And I'm like, I don't want to eat I was about puffin. to say, puffins are food. There is an episode of a Bizarre Eats with Andrew Zimmerman. And he goes puffin hunting. And I still think it is the funniest thing I've ever seen where he's standing on like, the side of a hill with a net that's like multiple feet tall when he says here puffin 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 and I think it is the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life but puffins are food they're like ducks over there <laughs> if that uh, no, it's, it's on a lot of menus um mm-hmm. the funny thing is uh, tourists like me are like I want the rotted shark and then everyone's like I want the carl no, everyone says they want Hakarl until they see the they see the outhouse in which Hakarl is made. Uh, no one wants it. So yeah. I do want to drink the Black Death though. Okay. That sounds amazing. Okay. You're but I also to do that. Like just like alcohol. So it's giving me the less than one minute. So We'll be back after a short message from our sponsors. We are our sponsors. We are our sponsors. <laughs> All right, I'm going to end it and we will be back momentarily. Okay. Record on this. So my Dustin. Mine yells. I love it. Okay. So- Sometimes we have another 40 have minute to... mark, which is weird. I guess Zoom just did that because they are not content uh, being of use to anyone. They rather ruin everyone's lives. Don't worry. I think we can do this in 40 minutes. I think we can too. Okay. The loneliness and lack of connection, it sucks. Uh, I don't know. Go read some Camus. <laughs> wrong no so we were talking about loneliness and lack of connection between uh farmhands not having a whole lot yes in way of you know so you know one distance is a factor but two also the fact that like they're men and so close friendships at least in this era were kind of frowned upon which is interesting when we find out more about steinbeck's life um yeah it's also but, interesting that you're talking to two fanfic writers and all we do is find connections between people. <laughs> um, this is brought up really heavily when um, I think it's Slim is talking about, hey, I haven't really ever seen two guys be this close like you are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, initially they use the cousin defense, but then like, it's pretty clear. It's like, George really doesn't have any reason to be as close to Lenny as he does. Like, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. his family, but he feels like this need to protect him. Mm-hmm. And in turn, he gets that closeness and that friendship. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting that, again, you know, we talk about not having a connection and stuff like that. That's literally all that we do as, you know, readers and, you know, critics and media is find those non-existent connections and make fictional characters want to sleep with each other. 
That's all I've been doing for the past several years of my life. <laughs> uh, do we want to briefly talk about nepotism lest we get sad? Yes. So the only reason that um, Curly has any role in this book, because he is such an asshole and nobody trusts him, is because he's the farm owner's son. So mm-hmm. he's the heir apparent. Um, and mm-hmm. we see this a lot in in uh, capitalism stories. Not saying anything. Where what is, is that I don't even worst, know what I'm talking about. Is that about the right worst okay, version so, of American Horror Story? A capitalism? Yeah, pretty story? much. I think that's going to be the next season of American Horror Story. I'm pretty sure capitalism. all seasons of American um, Horror Story are just capitalism stories. Out there, everybody's like, "Oh, Tor- he's a communist." I, no, no, I don't believe it's a whole thing, you guys human beings are just trash anyway um so we have this asshole son that nobody trusts mm-hmm. but the only reason he uh gets away with anything is because everybody's too afraid to say anything mm-hmm. because he's the boss's son mm-hmm. okay i'm moving on to the symbol of the pond so yes, it's where the yes. story starts and ends it's that safe place that isn't actually safe for anyone <laughs> yes um i think that's fascinating especially like so, uh, Tori, you may have had this unique phenomena where you start to realize that everything that you considered normal and fine about your childhood was actually bad, unsafe, trauma-ridden, and now has left you with a series of incomprehensible but very, very strong trauma responses that now are just a part of your personality. Listen, I just thought I was quirky. We all just thought we were quirky, but that's the problem. We all just thought we were quirky. We're not quirky. We have PTSD. (laughs) Um, So for me, mine was uh, the creek next to the house. It wasn't really a creek. It was one of those like water runoff things. And uh, by that creek, there was a part of the fence that was dug out. And my aunts would always be like, why did you dig out this part of the fence? Because my younger cousin and I always said, if things got too bad, we would escape down that hole in the fence through the creek to get to the other side for safety. So remember, dear listeners, those quirky little things you did as children, probably not quirky. <laughs> or one of my favorites, when your grandmothers or mm-hmm. you know older female adults would be like, okay, cool, you got a job. Um, open a bank account that nobody else has access to yes yes absolutely uh we say that because uh i think if you examine parts of your life you will probably have a place that is very similar where the story kind of starts ends and feels very safe that isn't which is why this is such a potent uh symbol that it's really inhospitable and scary much like all of California. <laughs> Listen. It's a terrifying place. There are so many lessons that I learned in California that do not translate to life in Texas. Just I, I just there. learned about the St. Francis Dam disaster. You know what? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so Caitlin Doherty has a video about this. It killed like 600 people because y'all built a dam because Mulholland was a monster built a dam out of like twigs toothpicks and slavery yeah no that tracks that dam failed horribly killed a bunch of like illegal mexican workers i don't say that for racism i say that because they were literally just like illegal mexican workers like illegal on america's side not illegal from the border (laughs) they were basically slaves killed a bunch of them a bunch of electricians and a bunch of other people and no one knows about it and i'm from california and we don't talk about it so there you go caitlin says that she's like i've lived in la for 12 years and i've never heard of this i will link video and show notes because i just watched that before recording and it's very fresh on my mind so california is a horrifying capitalist nightmare maholland is a monster oh yeah and the funny thing is the only thing they ever teach us about maholland was that He's the reason why LA has water. So the St. Francis Dam was part of that. Yep. Also, uh, Mulholland's partner bought up a bunch of ranch land 
that was owned by other people and then took all of their water and diverted it for LA. And then when the ranch owners were like, hey, what the fuck? They would sue those ranch owners saying, well, this is our land now. Capitalism is a thief of joy and resources. Speaking of that, the next point is the weak and poor and poor exploited by a culture of exploitation. <laughs> so <laughs> almost every single one of these these ranch hands has a reason to be there. Yes. And most of it is if I can make just enough money, I won't have to break myself down like this anymore. And I mean, we have freaking candy who's missing a fucking hand. Mm-hmm. So clearly he's been through some shit and he's still like, if I save up enough money, I can leave. What does that sound a lot like? (laughs) Every day of existence. It also sounds like the American dream, which isn't real. So something I found really interesting that I didn't pick up on until um, I was listening to Thug Notes. I'm going to be honest about this zero judgment george's last name is milton george milton you know paradise lost heart it's squint heart squint hard, um, hard squint so a lot of people like to look at uh lenny and george as kind of a little bit like a brain if we're going into like freud's ego and um and id uh we have lenny who who or sorry george who is the voice of reason he's the one who's like hey let's be logical. Let's go through this. I'm going to talk our way through and make sure that this is okay. And then you have Lenny, who is the animal appetites. He wants to see everything that's like soft and pet it and just like live and not have to think about it. I'm stretching, but that's something I found. So Tori can, Tori can hear my facial expressions right now. I can't. Because of the fact that I'm so profoundly uncomfortable with this metaphor. Tori can hear the sound of my eyes squinting at this moment. You can probably pick it up very faintly on your end in this recording, but I hate that so much. Well, you also know that I think Freud is full of shit, so. I think archetypally it makes sense. Do not apply it to people. I think this is the only ball I want that court in. Like, this is it. This is the only place I'm willing to accept it when we're talking about fictional characters who aren't real yeah don't don't put it on real people please don't put it on real people also the added horror that lenny has clearly an intellectual disability which also i am usually all for diagnosing fictional characters i don't give a hoot and a half what his intellectual disability is i care that he was murdered you are welcome to your fanfic scheming all you want to decide if he was autistic or not, you are welcome to do so, Tumblr. <laughs> I don't care. I care that he was murdered. Uh, which brings us neatly to, so people that know me know that I am not just an anime fan. I am a fan of animation. And one thing I grew up a lot with was Looney Tunes. The amount of times we see this archetype set in pop culture, not just lumbering big oaf and small angry short king, but specifically the added aspect of tall lumbering oaf who has a thing for petting other things in animated media and in pop culture is astounding. Looney Tunes does it at least five different places that I can think of. And that's just Looney Tunes. I'm certain Walt did it as well because he was a hack, a thief, and an anti-Semite. Are you going to be okay? No. (laughs) He was also a union buster, so that helped. Of course he was. Of course he was. Also, Mickey Mouse was originally modeled after Sambo archetypes in minstrel plays. When people are like, oh, the gloves are so they don't have to do hands. People could do hands. People could do hands all day and night. 
He's based off of a Sambo minstrel archetype. Shut the fuck up. So is Bugs Bunny. Why do you think they get the exaggerated lips and the black face and things blow up on them? They're based off racist models. Sorry. Hi. It's been a long week. I just tweeted at Crash Course and uh, I actually have a mutual who works for uh, the Thought Cafe Thought Bubble team saying I would love to host Crash Course Animation and I would love to but so much of it would just be like me exasperated in a corner because no one's ready to confront how horribly problematic animation is and they're going to try to do the thing that they do with Star Wars where they're like animation's not political it's like anime was usually was like genuinely used as propaganda during World War II and afterwards like yes all animation is propaganda it is trying to teach something that's why so much of it is rooted in racism because of white supremacy and union busting it's kind of like when people say that comics shouldn't be political and you're sitting there going they've been political since the dawn of time they were literally captain america was invented to send comics to troops that's why he's punching hitler on the cover of a people are stupid oh my god i've been re-watching star wars because aforementioned depression and everyone who's like star wars was never political are we gonna not talk about trade federations are we not gonna talk about assassination attempts and union busting in the mandalorian and spice miners and all of that stuff. No, you're mad because a woman made a good point and brown people have lines. <laughs> I'm just laughing because everything hurts. <laughs> uh, but this is seen so much in popular culture. Truth be told, I don't know why. Outside of the tall friend who was laid back and chill and placid and the angry short king dynamic, which I guess is funny. I only think it's funny because it is my day-to-day life. Gestures. Uh, I don't get what about this was so enigmatic and interesting to animators because I can point out so many different points in just Looney Tunes where this is explicitly done. And I don't know why. I would love to know what tear Chuck Jones was on. I'd love to know if someone has that connection for what Chuck Jones's specific boner was for this. Because now that I think about it, it's almost all Chuck Jones. If someone knows what his specific boner was for this, please tell me because you do not want to take responsibility for the person that I will become if you leave me to my own devices to research this myself. If you We're on Twitter, I, if you guys want to answer. Yeah, if you think I'm an insufferable nut bird now, if you leave me to research this on my own, I will only become stronger. I'm an Anakin Skywalker apologist. You aren't ready to see my true power level. Wow, okay. <laughs> I am an Anakin Skywalker apologist and Kylo Ren almost made me not want to be Sith anymore. I saw the messages this week. Tori has been bombarded with messages about me watching Star Wars on her Disney Plus account. <laughs> also, we're starting a new religion that is entirely based around uh, Porgs. If you'd like to join <laughs> We need members and money to join our Porg religion. Can we make a Porg like evangelical church where it's like seed faith and prosperity gospel, but with Porgs? Oh my God. Everything Can I be a I Porg? Hate. Can I be a Porg Tammy Faye? I want to be the Porg Tammy Faye, please. Oh my gosh. I just imagine you dressed up as a Porg with, but with big fake eyelashes. Oh my God. Can I please be the Porg Tammy Faye? Just like giant wig crying and like 15 Porgs all around me. Yes. Uh, Okay. Uh, Sorry. Would you like to tell us about some of John Steinbeck? No, but I will. Okay. Um, He was born in Salinas, California. I know you're all surprised because most of his books take place in California. He was born February 27th, 1902. So I think he's an Aquarius. Is that what we're doing since we're long putting authors in Hogwarts houses? Now we're doing their astrology. 
sure we're doing their uh, sun signs so evidently he had super german parent or paternal grandfathers or grandfather uh, whose name was johann adolf grob steinbeck he founded a messianic farming colony in palestine which was a bad idea because it was very short-lived as uh, attackers killed his brother raped his brother's wife and his mother-in-law they all bailed out to the U.S. in 1858, and then they just shortened their name to Steinbeck because it was easier to say. Um, How many names do you think have been lost because people do that? A lot. A lot. Uh, Ellis Island was pretty notorious for basically making up names and respelling things. That's why there's like 18 versions of Irwin. Yeah, Tori. I also watched An American Tale. I know. There are no cats, cats in, America. in America. It's a lie because I have one. Uh, I guess mine is Siamese, though. Never mind. Um, his dad, uh, John E. Steinbeck Sr., was a treasurer for Monterey County, and his mom was a teacher. Mm -hmm. He was raised Episcopal, but he became agnostic later in life, mm -hmm. which the Episcopal stuff shows up a lot in his, his literature. Um, he grew up in a rural valley in California near the Pacific Coast, and he worked on ranches during the summers including Spreckle's Sugar Beet Farm, which sounds way too much like an inside joke from The Office. That sounds um, like something from Bojack Horseman, and I don't like it. Actually, <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's who Beatrix Horseman was supposed to marry. I don't like this. <laughs> ah! So <laughs> he found out through some of this about how hard migrant life was. Um, but he went to Salinas High School, studied English at Stanford. He left without a degree in 1925. He went to New York to try to become a writer, but he couldn't get published. So he came back to California and became a tour guide in Lake Tahoe. Mood. That's where he met his first wife, Carol Henning, and they married mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And then he tried to make money by manufacturing plaster mannequins. This did not go well. Mm -hmm. Six months later, they moved back to Pacific Grove and moved into a cottage owned by his dad. So his parents gave him free housing, mm -hmm. paper to write on, and mm -hmm. loans so he didn't have to work while he was writing. I, I need feel like more, okay, between this and Harper Lee, which I'm still upset about, I need more friends and family that are willing to just give me money so I can write, please. I mean, same. <laughs> so during the Depression, he bought a boat and told everyone he could live on and fish crabs and fish and eat things from his garden at home but those sources failed mm -hmm. i know we're all surprised Shocking. and they had to go on welfare and they stole bacon from the local produce market do you remember uh, the transcendentalists when they were like we're going to make a camp of writers and they wanted like to be like a utopian community and edgar Allan poe was invited and he just complained the entire time and the community failed because turns out writers do not want to be farmers yeah we could talk a big game all day long. Oh yeah, I, that's my favorite. Even like, oh my God, Walden, where it's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over here. Just kidding. But I'm still gonna have dinners with my mom and she's gonna come pick up my laundry. Yeah. Oh, I just want to do an entire podcast series on how, what authors Failed really went men. through and who like took care of them like oh yeah i would love for that to be like a mini series because like we talked about that like with zelda fitzgerald like we could probably talk about edgar Allan poe's multiple wives including the one that he married when she was 13 years old uh a lot of the russian authors whose wives basically did all their writing like clean up for them yeah we could let us know dear listener if you have interest in that mini series uh but um yeah so turns out uh writer does not equal fisherman nor god so that didn't work out well. So this is interesting to me. And as we're fan fiction writers, you guys can do what you want. But um, he had a really close friend named Ed Ricketts, who sometimes played music for Steinbeck when he was really upset. Like they were really close. Oh. They went on a like trip through the Sea of Cortez and wrote a book called the Sea of Cortez together, but when it got published, Steinbeck's name was the only one on it. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife, Carol, was on the boat with them. And after the trip, uh, she filed for divorce. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and critics advise they feel like Steinbeck's work suffered after he moved away from his friend Ricketts, who was also the basis for multiple characters in his books. And in 1948, Ed Ricketts' car was hit by a train and Steinbeck rushed to his side, but Ed died before he arrived. And then when Steinbeck got home, his second wife asked for a divorce. So normally I would say that you've been watching too much Our Flag Means Death, but I would also say these are not heterosexuals. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing. I was, I'm not part of it, so I can't like say, ha, huh, that's, that's uh, Ed Ricketts. But the entire time I'm reading about him, all I can hear is, and they'll say close friends. friends best <laughs> friends, roommates. Yeah, like literally. Like there's a BuzzFeed Unsolved video about like the nine day bride where it's like this weird thruple almost that like this couple gets married and they bring along like the husband's best friend and the wife ends up like dead in a burning house like nine days later. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it was like a jealousy thing because they got mad at the wife because, you know, she was cheating on one of the guys apparently. And then one of, at the end of the BuzzFeed episode, like, oh, one of these are just two gay men. <laughs> who murdered a woman so they could go be gay together. And it's like, oh, right, gay people exist. So there's that show, Grace Under Fire, mm -hmm. that like from the 90s and my husband's obsessed with it and it makes me laugh. It's like, and I'm, I was watching episodes with him and I like left the room and he goes, yeah, so we just watched the episode where you find out that her ex-husband's dad was actually gay, but like he hid his lover forever. And I'm like, what, how did I miss that in the nineties? But yeah. I also uh, feel like this is the part where I mentioned. So Tori, we've both watched Criminal Minds, yes. I watched some, I haven't gotten super in depth with it. That, but but you've watched is beautiful it. And Matthew so, Bray-Lubler is my hero, so. He's a chaotic short king as well. But the biggest adjustment from Criminal Minds is going from uh, Hotchner's actor, Thomas Gibson, uh, being Hotchner from where he was in Dharma and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were like me and you were born in the 1990s and you watched Dharma and Greg, surprise, surprise, that's the next place you see Thomas Gibson is as a badass queer coded murder man for the CIA. Not it's, just it's, trying it's, to deal with Jenna Elfman's Scientology. It is an adjustment to say the least. Uh, let's see, we have more notes. We have so, yeah, so notes. he ended up working, Steinbeck worked as a World War II correspondent for the New York Herald Tribune mm -hmm. um, and worked with the OSS, which is the precursor mm -hmm. to the CIA. Um, and he came back from war decorated with shrapnel and serious trauma, but rather than seeking any support because it wasn't a big thing at the time, like it is now, he mm -hmm. treated his trauma by writing the script Lifeboat for Alfred Hitchcock. Um, as you do. So, Supposedly, this is one of this is something I found, and I need to verify. But I th thought it was fascinating. Supposedly, J. Edgar Hoover couldn't find any dirt on Steinbeck, so every year the IRS investigated his taxes. This is all from complaints that Steinbeck made himself. So evidently, he'd be like, "Well, the government's always after me." Mm -hmm. So it might be like my dad, where he just had this hatred for the IRS and wanted to assume that somebody was after him. Mm -hmm. But also having learned about Hemingway being stalked by the CIA and FBI um, until his death, I wouldn't put it past. You know? <laughs> I also wouldn't put it past. So evidently Steinbeck's first book was very loosely based on the death of Captain Henry Morgan, the pirate captain. Mm -hmm. um, but his second book was a werewolf murder mystery that never saw the light of day. Um, his first critical success was a book called Tortilla Flats, which was adopted into a film in 1942 with Spencer Tracy and Hedy Lamarr, mm -hmm. which honestly, I think his books being turned into movies is why we have so much of it in pop culture. I think if it had just stayed a book, yeah. we wouldn't have this. Yeah, um, I, I absolutely agree with you. 
His book, Grapes of Wrath, was banned by Ken County Board of Supervisors until 1941. That is not the first, well, that is not, that I think that was the first, but that was not the last time it's been banned. Mm -hmm. Um, According to my research, Mice and Men has been banned multiple times, um, as has the Grapes of Wrath, but of Mice and Men was banned in the early 2000s in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. it was ranked number six out of 100 of books being banned in the u.s like how many times it has been banned um it was adapted into a film in 1939 with lon cheney jr as lenny and burgess meredith as george mm-hmm. um the grapes of wrath was actually being filmed i believe at the same time so it was said that he could go to two different studios and spend a day on each set just for fun um the version that i think my generation was forced to watch i don't know if you were was the Gary Sinise and John Malkovich one from 1992. I think that was the one. It is now for free on uh, YouTube. So I'll include that link. But my brain just all, Gary Sinise, like I think of him, it's like back and forth between him being George and him being in um, The Stand. So my brain has a really hard time with it. So this is funny to me. Steinbeck won a Nobel prize for his writing but everyone thought it was fake and kept calling it the Swedish mistake because they didn't think he was a good enough writer. At least American critics didn't. I have no comment. I thought that was hilarious. I think it's very funny, but I shouldn't. President LBJ gave him a presidential medal of freedom. And we all know LBJ Um, was one of the worst presidents, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, Steinbeck actually reported on the Vietnam War where his kids were fighting. he thought the war was a quote heroic adventure and he even manned a machine gun post while the soldiers slept when he was visiting to write an article. What? They just yep. let him touch a gun. Oh my God. Old man Steinbeck manning a machine gun. This is worse How than- How is that not on Bojack Horseman? This is worse than Corporal Wojtek. <laughs> I will not explain that reference. You have to Google it. So he died um, in 1968 from congestive heart failure. And just like every time we try to moralize people's deaths from things like congestive heart failure, they do mention he was a lifelong smoker, but so was everyone at this time. Yeah, like I, I've never really understood why we like give people like that such a hard time. It's like, oh, they're da- like, I, it might've been the episode of uh, Ask Abortation that I just watched about like Starvation Heights where it's like, oh, all of their problems were caused. Yes, we know we'll end in 10 minutes, leave me alone. Uh, You know, it was caused by food, whatever. We all eat bad things. Let's wrap this up in 10 minutes because I don't want to give Zoom money. You have a bunch of resources that will be listed uh, on the website. We both mentioned that we have had to read this in school. I, very, very young for some reason. And Tori, as a freshman. Yeah. Ah. Freshman honors. Oh. But to be fair, he was also, we didn't really do a whole lot of work in his class. I liked him. That's valid. Um, Okay. You may have noticed, dear listener in the United States, that there's a lot going on. Which means next time we're covering a handmade sale. (laughs) This book scared the absolute shit out of me when I first read it. And that was when, you know, we didn't have the looming loss of Roe versus Wade over our heads. Yeah. Um, so in preparation of that, we'll be releasing yet another charity sticker design because I am magnanimous and also very, very angry. 50% of proceeds will go to the Lilith Fund because really it is not Planned Parenthood that at this time urgently needs our support alone it is also going to be abortion funds because abortion tourism is going to be a thing now which is horrifying and we don't have time to unpack that literally because i don't want to give zoom money sorry where can the good people find us we're all over social media we're on unfortunately required reading on facebook unfortunately rr on twitter unfortunately required on instagram or unfortunately required reading.com and you can email us at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com and also i'll post a picture of my cat on instagram today yeah the cat is definitely needed for this episode um if you 
would like to join the Wine and Cheese Fund, it is greatly appreciated. You may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading. This is also the point where we thank our existing patrons uh, for their contribution. It is with your continued support that we keep the lights on. Please help keep the show going by donating or purchasing from our extensive merchandise collection. Uh, Tori, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast uh, has an English class, but if you'd like to, (laughs) I'd have to look at the analytics again. The last time I checked, almost none of our listeners are in school. Uh, They just want to remember the trauma with us, okay? Yeah, and if you'd like to relive the trauma with us, you may do so by emailing us on unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. The world is on fire, is very scary, and these are, to say the very least, unfortunate and scary times. However, we do not get better, stronger, nor do we improve by going it alone. Stay connected, stay secure, Keep in touch with those that you hold dear and know and remember always that Stonewall was a riot and we don't get anywhere without a little bit of rumble. If you're going to protest, though, protest safely, cover your face, leave all your personal stuff at home and go buy that really, really cool book that true crime women invented called the If I Go Missing book, where it's like a place that you can leave like your hair sample and a handwriting sample and like all of your contact information, which is a horrible necessity that we shouldn't need but we do. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.